This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello, hello, hello Bertrand. You know, the, the best thing about rugby league, right? Yes. Is the winning. That's right. And the worst part, I am told, is the losing. But it's just been so long since my team lost or your team lost that I've kind of forgotten what that feels like. Yes. It is an unfamiliar sensation to me. It is now, I'm going to say almost June. And um, <laughs> neither it's definitely th- it's definitely edging close to late May, which yeah. is practically June. And uh, neither of our teams have lost since March. Crazy, so man! That is legitimately we're getting into scary times. We play each other in a fortnight, so I'm expecting a golden point draw in that one. The but, yeah, uh, the gentleman's victory. That's right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, apart from our teams winning, a pretty dire round, all things considered. We were overdue a blood. We were due. We were due one that probably wasn't as uh, sparkling as some of the footy that we've got in the past. Um, and actually, the the, the the quality of footy at Magic Round probably wasn't the best either. So this definitely was coming over the horizon and it came and smacked fair, fair in the head this time, you know. But, you know, we're kind of at that point of the season, you know, where Origin's, Origin's coming up and, yeah, it's months. about to derail the league for three months. So, you know, it was nice to get a little bit of a preview of what the Origin depleted rounds are going to look like, you mm. know, just to mentally prepare ourselves. And depleted they will be. Um, the Bulldogs hosted the Warriors uh, with... The, the Warriors running at 24-12, to 12, winners a late Ron Volkman try, one of the more fortunate pinball tries I've ever seen, sealing the deal. Um, a very good win for the Warriors, Nick, and, you know, well-deserved after a, a pretty solid opening half and then sort of petering out after halftime. Yeah, I think for, for me, this this was just... Uh, the Warriors just had to win this game by any means necessary. It didn't matter if it was pretty. It didn't matter if it was sharp. It didn't matter if it was particularly good. They just had to get it done after losing those three games, in albeit all three in, in in pretty narrow fashion. They just had to get a win to sort of keep touch with that with that pack that's sort of you know populating everywhere on the ladder from third down to about tenth or something like that. They just needed a win to stay in that mix, you know. And I think to get that win, they just sort of kept leaning on a lot of the things they've done well this year. I think this is the earliest all season that we're getting a Tohu Harris mentioned, but we're getting one now. Um, he was great again. Adam Fanua Blake, I think, is playing some of the best football of of his entire career. I've just been extremely impressed with what he's been able to do, both with like just his um his work rate in the middle of the field, but also sort of hitting holes around um around the try line. I think he scored five tries this year, easily his career high. I think it's like a quarter of his career tries are now this season. It's quite a lot of tries. And we're less than halfway in, you know? So he was excellent again. Um, Sean Johnson, probably a little bit of a mixed bag, but found some some nice touches, particularly on some kicks when it really, really counted. I liked Ronald Volkman coming in um, for Dylan Walker because Walker was able to go back to lock and just sort of fill that role that he's done so well for a couple of years now. But Volkman, just have, having a specialist half in there just kind of gave the Warriors a little bit more... Um, Variety, especially in their kicking game. Um, Volkman did really well just to finish the game because he had that super gnarly finger injury, but he managed to battle through it, score that key try. And like you can say, it's lucky, but you know someone had to score it, someone had to do it. So yeah, I think Johnson and the team in general will benefit from more of a traditional playmaker next to him. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Who has been playing well? Yeah, and what? But he can play a lot of roles in this team. That's right. And Walker was good when he went to lock. Like that pass for Fenua Blake's first try was was really really sharp. yeah, they just kind of got it right when it mattered, and this is one where they just had to get it right. They just had to find a way to win just for their own confidence, if nothing else, because all four, four straight losses, 
all of a sudden is, is a bit of a hole and that can be a hard thing to to come back from. Um, the Bulldogs, I am, I don't know, man. They just, it just, it seems like they have similar issues every week and they're just not getting fixed. Like they were really loose around the middle of the field again. Like the Warriors were able to make really, really big inroads pretty much whenever they wanted. Um, Hayes Perham is a player who I think has something about him. He can run the ball well. He can beat defenders. Um, I'm not sure if him at fullback is, is really working. I thought he got exposed a couple of times with his positional play. Um, and it's not, not for the first time either. Um, there's going forward. There's only going to be one vacant spot in that Canterbury back line because once Stephen Crichton comes in, and you've got Crichton fullback, Adokar wing, Kira's the other wing, Paul Alamotti one centre. There's only one other spot in that two to five, and it's probably going to be Perham or Avarillo that gets it. Um, and at the moment, I think Avarillo's really got his nose in front for that one. I actually wouldn't mind seeing Avarillo at fullback a little bit because I thought he did quite a good job there last year. He just seems to have a bit more of a feel for the position than. Than Perham and I, I, and I do think they need to change something up because all of a sudden they have pretty much lost touch with that with that sort of um, with that breakaway peloton. Yeah, that's sort of occupying all the real estate up to tenth spot. I did think a lot of the hubbub around the Bulldogs this year was premature and said as much when we previewed them in the preseason. But yeah, I, I still think they're a couple of forwards short. I still think the backline's not as good as it needs to be, and I'm still. Not entirely sold on Matt Burton as a half in general. And it's not his fault. There's, a, I mean, it's not an ideal situation for him to be trying to succeed in. But again, this is not, this is not, I'm not watching him and seeing a sort of, tra- he's a transcendent talent, but I'm not seeing a transcendent playmaker. I'm seeing a guy who's an incredibly good football player, but I'm not sure he's an incredibly good half or five eighth. And we're not going to really get the full scope of whether that's true or not until next year or whenever they have like an actual bona fide partner for him in there. But yeah, it seems like this both this year and last has just kind of been probably as bad a situation as possible for him to sort of develop in that playmaking role because there's just not a lot else that they've got giving him any sort of backup. Yeah, that's true. But I, I do think he's getting there. I do think he is developing into into less of a footballer and more more of a five eight. If you if you take my meaning, um, I would like to see him use his running game just a little bit more. I think right now he is a little bit too preoccupied with setting stuff up for other guys, which I understand is going to happen because he is playing halfback at the minute, which is a move that I'm not really. I don't like it. Nick. A fan of. I don't like it either. But I wonder if we got a little bit of a glimpse of the future in this one with Carl Olapau playing major minutes and Josh Reynolds maybe not getting as many. So maybe this. This week, we do see Olapau uh, moving to yeah. that seven and Burton moving to that six, which I think was always going to be the club's long-term plan. I think they just wanted to give Kyle Flanagan one last shot. They probably didn't like what they saw that much. And now it's it's Olapau's time. And it's probably a little bit earlier than, than the club would have liked, but... That's fine. If you're old enough, you're good enough. Chuck man. him it's, in. See what happens. Mate, yeah, it's time to time to learn on the job, son. Yeah, Away and that, if he can be serviceable, then that's the best situation possible for Burton's development as well. So I think that's only going to be a win-win for them. But yeah, as for this season, I think... I think any sort of top eight dreams are quickly fading away. Well, yeah. The the only thing that would make me change that is if Luke Thompson comes back in the next couple of weeks and he's sort of that presence in the middle of the field that can lock it down a little bit defensively and sort of give guys like Max King a little bit more a little bit more support would, in the running game. Um, Tavita Pangos is not playing someone, well. Oh, I've, I've I've been a bit disappointed with him. I think he's going okay, but given given how talented he is and given that this is very much his last chance of sort of making a stand in the NRL and 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 finding the most of that talent i think he has been a little just a little bit disappointing um, i did expect a little bit more so yeah um so with the the main game on friday night we did say that we 
sort of struggled to see how the Roosters would score points. And that part we nailed. We did. We got that part but, right. But uh, we also thought it would be a low-scoring grind-out affair, something like an 18-4, to four, not a 48-4. Not a 48-4, four, 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 But yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this really got away from me. I haven't it? seen Penrith sort of keep their foot on the throat like this and just sort of chuck the footy around with, with absolutely no regard in quite a while. This was Jerome Lewis' best game of the season. With by no regard not. for human life. They just choked the life out of them. Yeah, and they whooped them. goodness. They bashed A good old-fashioned whooping. They bashed the shit out I of mean, them. I mean, a lot of... Consistently and thoroughly. A lot of people, myself included, are getting carried away with um, the new hotness, the premiership favourites, the South Sydney Rovers, but Penrith sent a timely reminder in this game that they are still very, very much the benchmark or at least the co-benchmark in the 2023 competition yeah they did I, I think this this game showed the Panthers very much at their best they just physically dominated the, the Roosters in every single aspect of the match like they slapped him around and dared him to do something about it you know what I mean I, I thought it was actually quite it was actually quite embarrassing the way the Roosters forwards who have been a strong well, point for no forward made year. 100 metres yeah they the were just belted Warrior Hargraves totally ineffective Lindsay Collins couldn't get anything going they just got absolutely bashed they got punked they got this happened this is what happens when Canberra play the Panthers mm. this felt intimately familiar to me in many many despicable ways but we always knew that Penrith had that physicality in and we always knew that they had that sort of resolve in them but to see them back that up with some really sparkling attacking football was a really really great time for them I thought the left edge finally really got going it really um, did and it wasn't just Luai I thought Tyrone Peachy was the key all along well I actually thought it was Scott Sorensen who really he was opened great. things up yeah. for them because he was just running some really good lines and he gave that edge some really he's good off contract stuff. too isn't he he's going to get he is, a but large I don't think sum he, of money I don't, think, I don't think he leaves Penrith to be honest well with you. then he's not going to get that large of a sum of money <laughs> Um, but I just thought he really, just running those really good lines and, and, and proving himself to be a running threat early on really opened things up for Penrith. And that opened things up for Peachy and that opened things up for Luai. And I thought I think Luai has been playing well these last couple of weeks without putting up a lot of attacking numbers. Mm. Like, for example, in that Souths game a few weeks ago, I thought he was damaging and effective but without creating a lot of points. And I thought it was a little bit similar against the Warriors last week. But this time he got the return on all on on all, on all those um all those investments you mm. know and he did look like the Jerome Luai that we've come to know in the last couple Sold of years. Sold his pumpkin futures before Halloween. That's crucial. That's it is crucial. Yeah, dude, that they were just fantastic to watch in this game, but it's weird, right? Because again, it, there aren't a lot of excuses you can make for the Roosters. They're relatively close to full strength right now. Yeah. They're not and, and, and you know, Sam Walker's not the team, but that's by choice and now he is injured, but he wasn't out of the team because of injury. He was out of the team because that's a choice that Trent Robinson made. And it's difficult to see a path back for them because there's no, there's not sort of any reason to think that things are going to improve. But I mean, the other aspect of it is like you, you look at their forward pack and you mentioned how dominated they got physically, but they also don't really have anyone. But Angus Crichton a little bit, who's sort of that dangerous attacking player that you need to have in the forwards in order to win a comp. Like the Panthers have Isaiah Yo, the Panthers have well had in the past Bill Kickout. They now have sort of Scott Sorensen now who's learned how to hit a hole. There's South have got Cam Murray. All these teams have a forward who's capable of helping them link the attack together, and that's supposed to be Victor Radley, but he hasn't been that ball player for two or three years now. And it just it's just hard to see where the creativity is coming from. Like Luke Keary is not the player he once was. I've never thought he was a controlling number seven. No one really has. I'm not sure why they're persisting with it. And, and the same with Joey Manu. Again, like it's it, it's clear that that his best position at the moment still is in the centres. But yeah, there's there's just no like where's the spark going to come from? Where's well, the creativity? That's the that's what's troubling about the Roosters. That's why last week I I kind of put a line through them yeah. because. 
we've seen we've seen that spark we've seen that creativity in individual games this year like for example we saw it from Victor Adley on Anzac Day right when even though he did get sinbin that had one, he had one of his best games mm. in years and he did play that role of sort of linking the entire side together and really running them around the park quite well we've seen good games from Brandon Smith this year like the one against South Sydney we've seen we've seen these guys put it together for a half or a game but just Everybody putting it together at the same time just seems impossible for them. And when you have a team that this that's this talented with this sort of pedigree, like that's really inexplicable, you know. And and we've seen the we've seen the Roosters get scores put up on them in the last couple of years, but it's always been when they've undermanned. It's always been well, someone's coming back, someone's coming back, and they'll know how to time their run. And it's like, well, now we've got a fair body of evidence. We've got nearly two and a half seasons of the Roosters not being the roosters that we came to know in 2018 and 2019 and even a little bit before that, you know? So I wonder if there's, if there needs to be some, some big changes or I wonder if there needs to be something of a fresh approach. I don't know what those changes are going to be. I don't know what that fresh approach is because it feels like nobody's going anywhere. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't, Trent Robinson's got more rope than any coach and and he deserves it. And deserve, deservedly so. But I I, I think there's got to be, if he just rolls out the same 17 this week, I understand that you want to trust guys to be able to turn it around, but now it's... But there's been... also not, not much they can... Well, now that Walker's injured, there's not much they can do yeah. in terms of that spine. Yeah, I, I they moved Joseph Suoliti back to right to right centre this week. I really want to see him back on the wing um, because I think the shine's sort of gone off Jackson Paulo. And, you know, while this is a... In this house, we love and respect Corey Allen. He's never really been... A no, he's a like, fullback he's and a fullback only. fullback and fullback only. So I'd like to see Suoliti back on the wing. Um, I think that would help give them a little bit of yardage out of trouble, at least. I think it would help boost his confidence because I think he is he is in a bit of a rough trot at the minute. That's one change that I would really like to see. Beyond that, it's hard to pick stuff out. Um, I'd like to see Satili Tupanua stick to the middle. I think that he gives them a bit of an attacking thrust in there, but even then, these feel, these kind of feel like band aids, you know. And what I mean? dude, but their edge defense has been that's been the real weakness this year. Yeah. They're just getting flayed on both sides of the ball. I don't think either Butcher is a particularly good edge player, and they're still sort of going down that route with Crichton dusted in there a little bit as well. And and yeah, you're right. I think Tupanu is probably better in the middle as well. So that's a gigantic concern. And when you factor in the teams that they're going to be playing in big games in the finals, teams like Penrith and South, who have well, fantastic edge back well, rowers. Like, are they going to be playing them in the finals? Jeez, I don't know. I think that's a fair question yeah. to ask at this point. Because we're not... This isn't a bad start. Well, when they had the when they started pretty poorly, and we all said Roosters always start poorly, they work their way into a season. By the middle of the season, they'll look like what we think that what we thought what we feared they were going to be like but we're at mid-season now everybody's played 10 or 11 games that's true like a lot of teams are looking pretty fully formed and a lot of them are looking a lot better than the roosters yeah. like i'm not when i put a line through i've kind of put a line through them through the premiership i'm not doing that for the finals that's no, fucking no, crazy no. but yeah. i think it's fair to ask where is the improvement going to come from like they have all these really good players i know they're good players why aren't they playing good it's true. You know, like that might sound simplistic, but that's kind of and that's kind of the key question. You the know? next three weeks, it's Dragons again, a bye, and then the Bulldogs. So you, they got to get six points there. <laughs> I nearly made a. You well, thought about? I it. thought about making a bye joke, but I won't do it. But like we've before with then they play then they play Penrith again after that. What is with the draw this it's year? Fucking ridiculous! It's so cruel. Like, yeah. did they do the thing where they just like they have all the permutations, all the matches spread out? I and don't they just know. Cut the head off a chook and let it just let run it walk around. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But like we've we've said in the past, oh, the Roosters need to work things around, and then they've had passages like 
the win over the Dragons on Anzac Day, which wasn't perfect, but they scored a fair few points. And then the win over the Warriors, we're like, oh, wow, they're finding a bit of that steal. Maybe this is them getting there. And then the last two weeks have happened Mm. and they have just been knocked around. And I feel like that's happened like two or three times this year. They take a couple of steps forward and then they lose and they have to reset again. You know? So... I don't know. I don't know. Me either. Back okay. to the winners. I think it's pretty clear Penrith are the third, be- the third best team in the comp this year. When they have lost, it's been by minuscule margins. And then they still have shit like this in the bank when they really, really need it. Yeah. So. And I mean, look, they're that, they're that fluky, not fluky, but that strange five-minute spell at the end of the South game away from being on top of the ladder right now. So yeah. it's from, from being above South, sorry, second behind Brisbane. Yeah. So, yeah, um, they're still really good. I don't think anyone forgot that. I don't think anyone was drawing a line through them. I don't think at any point we've thought they were any worse than the third best team. So yeah, yeah. Um, Souths though, a twenty nil win over the West Tigers. There was allegedly twenty one thousand people there, and it sounded like I was there just on my own. It was so quiet, so boring. <laughs> what a come down from Magic Round. It was a flat game. Oh my it was god, a flat game one of the flattest. Yeah. One of the absolute flattest. I do. I, I will add though, like before we get into it, and I'm, um, this isn't your opinion, but I saw a lot of people go, "Oh, it was it was a shit game." Souths played poorly, and and I don't know if they necessarily played poorly. I thought that, especially in the first half, they did throw a lot at both edges, and the Tigers actually defended, West defended really, 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 really well. Stoutly, yeah. Which it was funny. I went on the West Last podcast to preview this game during the week, and they were talking about how Campbell Graham was going to terrorise Tommy Talao, but I actually thought Tommy Talao did a really good job in that first he half. played really physical. Yeah. He was really throwing himself up. around. And for, then, for a fellow who had a lot of time off, it's really good to see. And then on that, le- the, every 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 sort of left side play that Souths did, the Tigers were there. They, was, they were shooting in and, and sniffing them out. And they, they did a really good job of nullifying that, that Johnston... That Johnson Edge, where you know no points came from. So, in, in that regard, I thought the Tigers played well. And if you look back at their last couple of games, the two wins and that narrow loss to Manly, in none of those games have they scored points. They've been winning these yeah. games on the back of their defence, and their attack hasn't been good in any of those games. And it was really never got going here. I mean, they had the the one last tackle play with Brooksy, where he where he sprung into the open. That was kind of that was kind of their big that yeah. was their big hand because it was eight nil at that point. Um, and I think Brooksy got into the clear and he had Jareem Buller on his right. I didn't see Buller initially because yeah. I thought his options were kick or run into Latrell Mitchell. And I thought <laughs> and I thought he chose handsomely. No, so he has he has Buller on his right and he comes up to Mitchell and he just he just looks he just looks the wrong way. Like he just didn't happen to look he thought, like, if I don't kick this, <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm going to get Dean Young. <laughs> this is going to suck. Um, yeah, and I think from that ensuing set, Souths went up, scored yeah. scored through Tane Milne again, mm. and then West sort of heads dropped, and then they scored uh, almost immediately against Mitchell. A- so I don't think that I don't think the scoreline is quite a reflection of how of how tight this game mm. was. I don't think Souths played poorly. I just thought they played within themselves yeah. a little bit. Um, and I think after the emotional highs of the last three weeks, they always were going to have a little bit of a a flatter spot, and yeah. this was that. Well, but they were they were they were confident enough in their systems and composed enough with what they wanted to do that they were able to. Well, just halfway sort of through the game, Poppy said it. to me, "This feels like a training run," and I said, "Yeah, it kind of does a little bit." Like neither team was really chancing their arm, neither team was really pushing the envelope very much. But um, I got to say, it's very weird to have a winger who makes yardage runs. Uh, <laughs> I'm not used to this. What's going on? It's nice, right? It's pretty it's great. Nice. So I don't know if you know this, Nick, but when you have a winger who is good at picking the ball up at the start of sets and making meters, it actually helps the team. Really? Yeah. Wow. I thought so. The having, best... having real wingers is actually yeah. No. Good. So I thought the best course of action was to have a guy who sits on the wing and scores five hundred tries, but and does that nothing doesn't else. Always help. Uh, that really? Yeah, but it's okay to have one of them though. <laughs> you know, one. But yeah, Tane, fantastic. Tane, really strong again. Has Got had three a, down had a, him points. Has had a really good couple of weeks. Um, 
Is Crazy Tane dead? It might be. Do we be. have clean cut, respectable clean cut Tane, Tane now? Well, dude, it was the very aesthetically pleasing 5-4-3 Dally M points. Only three players polled and they got 5-4-3. and three. Graham, Mitchell and Tane. Mm. So, which I think is astute. I think they were the three best players probably. But um, yeah. They, I, just, they just got it done. They just yeah, got it done. It, it, there's not too much you can read into this performance. I think that this weekend at Allianz Indigenous Round against Parramatta, who they would look at as... Well, not at the moment with the way Parramatta going, but they've traditionally looked at Parramatta as a, as a team that's sort of threatening for titles. And not only that, but a team they have the measure of. So I think that they'll Very be much eyeing so. off this game this yep. week to really prove a point before they lose yep. a bunch of players to origin. I th- yeah, I think that's it. I think we're going to see him really cut sick. I'm so excited that we're playing at Moore Park. Oh, yeah? So excited. <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know why they're doing that, but yeah. Well, they've, they've always had that deal with the Trust, haven't they? Where mm. they play one game a year at the S... It, was, it used to be at the SCG. Right, but yeah, even yeah, before yeah, that, it was at... It was at Moore Park, mm. but um, yeah, if they can engineer a move back there for next season, would that be would so be happy. awesome because they've been playing at ANZ Tigers, um, for way too long. Tigers got a Leichhardt game at five thirty PM on the, on the Saturday Arvo. You won't believe it. You're gonna go. Probably gonna be there. I, yeah. I, I probably will too. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we got to keep this. We got to keep this uh, facade alive. No, nah, I might saying, actually. Oh yeah, I might come down. No, I just won't and be drinking. I just won't be drinking, but I'll come down. So, um. Speaking of the Cowboys, they got a big win. They ruined Ben Hunt's 300th game. They ruined it, Nick. They did. Um, but some, not, shit, some shit has to be ruined. Sorry, they're not, Ben. They're not, I, don't, I wouldn't say they're back, but they're getting, they're getting better. Well, this was yeah, a they, very they, they, they looked a lot more like the Cowboys we came to know last year. Mm. And it wasn't just through the physicality in the forwards, which they'd had against the Roosters. They showed a lot more of their attack in this one. They really showed their teeth a little bit. Um, the way that they were all able to... Linked together, particularly on the edge of the ruck, I think was really promising. Val Holmes, excellent again. Um, Scott Drinkwater probably had more good than bad, but only just. And as long as that happens, the cows are going to be able to put some points on. thought Chad Townsend probably had one of his better games in a while. Heal and Lukey, fantastic on yeah, that right really, edge. Really good. Um, really good to see because I think he's a player that a lot of people had a wrap on and that serious knee injury last year kind of really slowed him down a little bit. But um, he's the sort of guy... He's he, you know how people talk about players being raw boned? <laughs> yes. That's that that's heel and Lukey, dude. Like he's all knees and elbows and he just throws them around when he runs and he runs like he wants to hurt people, which I really, really like. Mm. You know? And of the two tries he scored, one of them he just busted through two pretty soft tackles and one he hit a really nice subtle line and walked over untouched. And that was really, really good to see. So, that was a great ball too. Like with him sort of hitting a bit of form, um, I think Luciano Lelua, they're... they're going to aim to get him back for this Tigers game. I think Jeremiah, Jeremiah Nana is going to be back soon as well. And then all of a sudden, the, and Tal Malolo is on the horizon too, and then all of a sudden this Cowboys pack, how, which has been a real struggle for refresh them. Refresh my memory. Looking, how, did they, really how did they use Leilua last year when Luki and Nana were both there? Well, uh, Leilua only got there once Luki got injured. Right, okay, good. Yep. That was, I was like kind of thinking how would that work, but yeah. what, what will they do then? Um, I don't know. I presume that until Griffin Neem is fit... Um, either one of Lukey or Leilua will go into the middle rotation. I'd probably like Lukey a little bit more in that role. I think it suits him just a little bit better. But um, Cohen Hess was really strong for them again. So was um, Jordan McLean. McLean had one of his best games in a good couple of years, I thought. And then Reese Robson was just terrific as well. Um, the Cowboys, far from perfect. Far from perfect. They still let in some very sloppy tries and all that. But, you know, it, it feels like they're getting a bit closer to the sort of team that they want to be. Mm. Um but like the, the the real story for me out of this one was Saints. They are, they're just it's some some someone something, do something. something has someone to change. Throw a pie. Something has to change, like, man. 
it, it's got to change and it's got to, it's going to change soon you would feel like i wouldn't be shocked if when we finish recording we we get a, a news alert saying that something's yeah. happened down there but geez they are just disinterested right now and um they play the roosters again next week so that'll be fun it's, and you know if they can't fire up a cogger against a team that they hate then i think that's just about it I um I felt really sorry for Ben Hunt in this game. Mm. Not not just because it was his 300th game, which is a really big occasion, and the team just sort of didn't follow through for him. But it's very rare that you see a bloke as exasperated in his that teammates as he, he was in this one. Well, think about it, man. There were two Cowboys tries that just came directly from Dragons players knocking the ball on in their own end, and the Cowboys pick it up, run through, and score. Mm. You know, And when you're a player like Ben Hunt who tries every trick he knows every time he plays. I wrote a little bit about this last week with Ben Hunt. Ben Hunt could be the patron saint of lost causes because he doesn't believe in lost causes. Like, no, nothing is ever too far back for him to try and win it back. Mm. But, like, you see him out there and it's, it's yeah, it's it's just it's just really tough to see. And oh. I'm not an advocate of saying, you know, this coach has got to get sacked, this coach has got to go. But I think if you look at a lot of the problems with the Dragons, I think a lot of it does come down to coaching. Like, for example, the Moses Suley, Zach Lomax them swapping sides has just been a disaster for both players. Lomax is in reserve grade and Sully will prob- like might be joining him after the way that he played in this game. You know, I the the the, the swapping around all the time with Hunt starting at hooker and then Sullivan that. at halfback and then Sullivan gets binned but doesn't come back and it's like and then one of the real success stories for me the, the, this year has been Jacob Little and he's not even in the first anymore. None of it like, makes any sense. And I I like Jack Bird at lock but I think it's clear that he just needs some Can new you- voices he just needs something a little bit different i and i actually think if i was an if i was an aspiring nrl coach and this dragon's job came up i'd i'd jump at it because i think there is a lot of talent there that's just not being utilized and it's not being realized tyrell sloan's another really good example we've seen him play some great footy this year and we've also seen games like this where he's just sort of like not not as dialed in as he needs to be. Yeah. Um, so I'd be very, very... Like, with every loss that comes, I'm more and more surprised that Anthony Griffin hasn't got the hasn't got the sack yet. Yeah. Um, he's had this team for a while now. He's had him for two and a half years, and it kind of just feels like they're treading water. They, I think the club and the playing group really need a change. And you never like to see coaches get punted, but I really think that's what they need now. Yeah, I think that there's no... I would be, at this point, quite stunned if he finished out the season. Um, the Raiders... 26-18 winners over the Parramatta Eels. How much did you have a conniption when uh, when Matt Timoko scored and they said the Raiders have won it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I felt that'll seal things here. No, no, I felt I felt I felt good about that. I had the conniption when Mike Acevo because I felt like Canberra had Para on the ropes and they and the and Para were almost waiting for the ref to wave off the fight, you know? Mm. And Raiders were attacking their line and attacking their line and they just had to score once and then Para would fall apart. They Canberra had him dead, they just had to kill him. And they just couldn't do it. They just couldn't find the right touch and then all of a sudden Para were up the other end and Mike Sevo was scoring and for all of Canberra's dominance they were only up by four points. And I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. I was like these Man, these pricks! Like every time, like every time on this winning run, they've had the opposition on the mat, and they've let them come back up for one last, for one last strike. But then, you know, Matt Matt meat trade Tomoko mm. went over, scored, and everything was going to be okay. Even when Para got the short kick off, I was like, Nah, it's going to be fine. It's going to be all good. Um, yeah, I actually thought Para were really up for this game physically. Really, really into it. Played with a lot of aggression. Played with a lot of intensity. Something that probably has been missing for them for the last couple of weeks. Um, and I thought in that first half, Canberra really matched that intensity, and it was quite a 
not maybe not a high quality affair, but quite a robust sort of affair. Um, and then in the at the start of the second half, I thought Canberra played the conditions a lot better. I think it was pretty cold and pretty slippery down there, so kicking game is always going to be paramount. And Jamal Fogarty really came to the fore he with did. that, not just with his attacking kicking game, but with his yardage kicking game as well, which has been really, really that good. That was one of the cleanest 40 I've ever seen. Just beautiful, eh? Just gorgeous. Um, and I think Jamal Fogarty has been a real unsung hero for Canberra this year. It, it's You know how you said it's nice to have a yardage winger? Mm. It's nice to have someone in the spine that isn't totally insane. Yep. It's nice to have a guy that just does all the boring little things right because boring little things have not been Canberra's MO. It's not something they enjoy doing. It's not something they've done particularly well. They are a team of big plays, yes. right? And they hope that if you add up all the big plays, it sort of covers up some of the stuff that doesn't work as well, which is, like, I'm fine with them playing that way because they got a lot of guys who can make big plays. But then you add someone like Fogarty to the mix who is just really smart and it's just hasn't played hasn't played a decade of NRL, but has played close to a decade of top-level footy in the Q Cup, just sort of understands how footy is meant to be played, a little bit like a Sean O'Sullivan type. Um, and when he's playing with confidence, and when he has the confidence to sort of run the team around the park like he did in this game, then Canberra have sort of a, a, a craft to them that they've kind of lacked in in recent years. So that that's really nice to see. He seems like a great bloke as well, so I'm always, always really, really happy when he does well. Mm. Um, Hudson Young, fantastic Um Found a great mix of, of of sort of yardage work and grunt work along with some really big plays as well. Get him a sky blue jumper. He should he should be in that blues team. He'd be he'd be in my team one hundred percent. We're gonna pick our teams later in the show and spoiler alert. Hudson Young's going to be there. Um, Joe Tarpanay, terrific again. Second yeah. stint, especially you, you, just your big really three led up. the meters in forwards, which is what you want. They were, yeah, they were all, they were all terrific. Um, I'm mad at horse though. If you're going to throw a punch, throw a proper one. Oh, I did like his explanation after the game. What did he say? They said, well, what were you thinking? And he goes, I don't do a lot of thinking out there. Like, stuff just happens. And you know what? You know what, Cousin Corey? Sometimes stuff does I did happen. enjoy that skirmish with him and Madison a couple of times. Then later on, when he when he almost went over for a try and Madison tackled him, that was, <laughs> oh, that would have been, that would have been amazing. No, no but I, I think, um, I think Horsburgh is another one who, mm. the th- it's, it's funny, when you're pushing for origin selection, there's a lot of good players, right? And there's a lot of guys playing well and having things that stand out help your case and the fact that Horsburgh has the red hair and the fact that he's crazy of course it helps yeah like it helps him stand out because you could hear the commentary team talking about him all night oh Mount Horsburgh is going to erupt and or like when he came off the field and when he got binned and the crowd was cheering him or when he was on the bench late and Ricky came up and was rubbing his shoulders and that like that sort of stuff that where you do stand out and things happen that people remember that can be the difference between two guys who are playing well. Like it's the true. guy, the guy that that stands out more in people's minds, almost for non-football reasons. That can really help you get in there. Um, one more Raiders thing before we get to Para Matt Tomoko. Oh my God, I think him and Campbell Graham have been the two best centers in the league this year, mm-hmm. and I think Tomoko has found a fantastic mix of yardage and and strike with the way he's playing. Every time he gets the ball, I think something's going to happen. Every time he gets the ball, I think he's going to beat the first defender. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, his progression. It's a shame they the last... play on the same side, so we don't get to see them run at each other. Yeah, that is a shame because I would like to see that. Well, also, Campbell Graham got... won't be playing because he'll be in. Well, yeah, but like you've got the very tall Campbell Graham, yes. right? Tall, strapping lad, and then you've got you know the ground attack of Matt mm. Tamoko. Not large, but not tall, but there's plenty of him. You know mm. what I mean? So, yeah, he continues to impress me each and every week. Um, Parramatta. Yeah, it's, it's panic station time, man. I think they've just... We talk about winning and losing becoming a habit. I know yeah. that sounds like a stupid Channel well, 9 cliche, and seven. but it's true. They're four and seven. And their next like, game's the team they never, ever beat. Well, so. I think I think Canberra and Parramatta are good contrasts of each other, mm. right? So Canberra are a win off the competition lead, 
with a negative points differential, with a heavily negative points differential. On this recent run that they've had, where they've won five in a row, their biggest winning margin is eight points. You know? Parramatta stuck in, what are they, 14th? Yep. And they've got, a, I think, a plus 30 around that. Yeah, so Canberra, while they might not have been impressive in every single minute of every single game of this yeah, five-match plus winning 24, streak, yeah. they're finding a way to win mm. when it counts. They're finding the big plays... When they need them. Yeah, and, Parramatta and still have the fifth best points difference. Yeah, like, see, that's insane. And Parramatta, I think, I don't have it in front of me, but I think of their last four games, of their last four losses, they've lost most of them by less than 12 points. Like, they just they, they just seem to be in a little bit of a rut. They just seem to be in a place where they can't quite find their confidence. They can't link their things together. And, like, they had, they, they had their chances to win this game. Every time they got more than one set in a row, every time they strung a couple of sets together, they looked like they were going to score. But their handling was just awful. So many like really basic errors and just the timing was really off. You know, I I know we stood up for Jake Arthur a little bit last week. We say he cops it a bit too much for Parramatta fans. I didn't think he was particularly Oh, I don't think he's particularly good. I just think the, the hatred for him is yeah. ridiculous. I don't think we should hate anyone for just going out there and playing footy. But like they looked much better late in the game when Dylan Brown took over more of the attack. But it's like, well, why wasn't that happening earlier? He should be the predominant playmaker when Mitch Moses oh, yeah, is there. Yeah, I was surprised that he wasn't. It, you like, know? And that is the exception to the Luke Keery rule is when your dominant playmaker is out and you're bringing in a cup-level player. Yeah. that Just because he's a cup-level playmaker doesn't mean he should be the one touching the ball the majority of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know Parramatta fans are pretty incensed about some of the refereeing decisions in this one. I know the penalty count was a fair bit against him and there were some pretty ticky-tack calls as well. Um, like, there were a couple of times where guys got very light blows to the head and they still they still got the penalty and all that. Um, what can you do, man? Yeah. That's... What can you do? Mm. Um, like if Mitch Moses plays, they probably win this game. Yeah, well, he'll but, be back this week, and they yeah, need him. They saw, yeah, need they, him, so. they, but they just, re- they really need. They, re- I think, they really just need a win for their own confidence. I thought that Knights game a few weeks ago was going to be that win that sort of shook it out of them. But mm, um, no, yeah, very, very much not. Very like bit of aberration than anything else of, of of usual programming. Um, and one thing, I, one thing I will mm. say, Clint Gutherson is a good player for Parramatta and all that. Um. I really, really, really don't like when he makes mistakes and then yells at other people. That really shits me. Like it would shit me if I he, was a teammate. He did it in the grand final last year when he got caught out of position on the Scott Sorensen try, and he did it again in this one when he got caught out for the Seb Chris try. He races across to cover the to cover the corner. Fogarty sees it, straightens up, kicks through. Chris scores, and Gutherson throws his hands up like it's someone else's fault. He leads the league in throwing the arms up. Yeah, I, 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 I really, I really didn't like that. Although no. I did like. I did like how much the Raiders players and fans were really getting into it because it was a big, rowdy crowd down there. It was 17,000 people at, seven, at 7.30 on a cold Saturday night. Mm. And I think even though maybe the quality of this fixture wasn't quite there, but it felt really epic because the crowd was so into it and so into giving it to Gutho. And Gutho and the Eels were so keen on on giving it back and all that, you know. And it, it really did. It was really great, really great theatre. I thought it. Um, it felt like a. It felt like a much bigger game than it actually was. If you know what I'm saying. At the Theatre of Dreams, Bruce Stadium. Well, that's right. That's what they call <laughs> that's it. Just so, what they call it. Yeah, I know Canberra been far from perfect in this winning run, but they keep winning. They keep winning, and now they're a win off the competition lead. But I still feel like there's so much. There's this team can get so much better, and there's so much more they can achieve, which is the really, really exciting part. You know, five mm. wins on the trot, and I still just feel like they're scratching the surface. Play so. Manly this week too. Yeah, banner times for the Durs. I'm worried about that Manly game because you, can, you said you were gonna. You said you thought about going down. I'm thinking Are about going. going yeah, down? I'm thinking about it. Um, 
a bit worried about that man in the game because I, I know Zach Wolford's going to come out, so Danny Levi might come back in. I'm not sure what his status is, but they'll definitely lose something if Wolford's out. And surely Manly can't get much worse than they are now, right? That's surely the, the turn has to come at some maybe, stage. But so. they could just stay as bad as they are. Well, I, I, this week at least, mm. I would like that. Yeah. Um, the Knights, they're back. They're all the way back. Uh, we, we thought this game would be fun and chaotic, and sure enough, it was. We had a forward going the length of the field to score a try. We had Philip Sami hitting another iconic celebration in, a, in an eventual loss. <laughs> we had Greg Marju scoring that ridiculous try when I thought like he had basically stopped. And then giving it back to Sammy. He literally rose up like yeah. The Undertaker and yeah. was like, no, I am going to put this ball down. Yeah. And yeah. But, but him, him, him hitting Sammy with the two oh, small, great. that was great. It was great. I love Philip Sami. Me too. Feel the power, Sammy. But man, the just some... Maybe a career best game for Phoenix Crossland in this one. Sensational. Ponga's best game of the season, easily. And yeah, the Knights, we said that if they wanted to be in any way sort of players in the back half of this competition, this is the kind of game they need to win. A coming off a bye at home against a Queensland opponent who's known for sort of like, you know, not being the best at traveling. So yeah, they did it. They did, yeah. Um, it's the most points they've scored in a game since 2013, which is a long time, bro. Damn. 10 years. 10 years. All right. Uh, well, let's start. Let's start with Ponga because that's the big, the big story out of this one. I was really, really happy to see him play this way because that game against Para was so, so tough, and yeah. he, he really looked out of his depth playing five eight, and it looked like it was going to be a really long road back for him to sort of finding his best footy. But I actually think the way that the way that the Knights used him in this game was really, really smart. Like the the kick for Frizzell was just like that's just. What beautiful opportunistic! Why, why play. were there no Titans players? I don't know. Jaden Campbell had a bit of a tough one in this one, but but that was just that was just <laughs> eyes up footy in its truest sense. You I know, have like never there's seen no one there. Frizz on the hammer, like the, put the kick in. Why the not? Jo- like, the Josh Cryan one in the Bulldogs game was funny. This one was like hilarious. It was like, <laughs> where, where is everybody? Yeah. So that was just a great attacking touch. But then in the second half, when he set up the try to Bradman Best mm. and the try that he scored himself. Both times he was two passes wide out the back of shape on the left-hand side, which has traditionally been where he has done his absolute best oh, yeah. work, you know? And I think what really changed for the Knights is when Tyson Gamble came on at lock and really gave them a really solid passing presence in the middle. If you look at those two, if you look at the two tries, the one Ponga scores and the one he sets up, both times it's Gamble to the line, then to Hastings, then Ponga out the back. It's the traditional fullback shape. And when you do that for Ponga on the left-hand side, good stuff happens. Good stuff happens, you know. That's been true ever since Kalen Ponga got down to mm. got down to Newey. And if that's the way he's going to play five eight, like essentially the same way he did fullback, yeah. but also Lockie Miller's on the field. Yeah. Well, then all of a sudden this is a process that I feel really good about, and I think it's 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 really important just for his own confidence too, because mm. I think that was the biggest thing. He's always been a player that's played with a great deal of confidence, and like why why, why wouldn't you? Like he's been a multi sport phenom since he was twelve years old. You know, since he was fifteen, he's been famous. Everybody's known his name. Why wouldn't you be confident about that? So it was probably a big thing for him to get knocked around with the concussions this year and to have a couple of really tough games and have to kind of really dig deep and see what he's about and see if he's got the got the true steel to try and come back and play his best footy after that. You know, so getting a game like this. It was really, really important. Really important for him and for the Knights and for Queensland and and for and for everyone who sort of relies on Caitlin Ponga. So it was really, really good to see. It's really good to see him playing footy with a smile on his face too, because it would have been a long road. Would have been a long road back, and there would have been some dark times after that concussion. Yeah, it's, it's quite funny. It's like it's just so simple. It's like, hey, you know that thing he's really good at? Let's have him do more of that and less of the other things. Yeah. Holy shit, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I thought Hastings Hastings played a young to get that that early try as well. Was gorgeous on the right hand side. So. 
they can get Jackson Hastings creating a little bit on that side of the field. They just keep Ponga on the left. Everything's fine. Yeah, everything will be well, okay. I, I think that was always the that was always the dream for them mm. going into going into this season. You know, and Dom Young playing really good for. He had a quiet couple of weeks um, after sort of a bit of an explosion in the in the middle part of the season. So, but it's good to see him sort of. Running free and easy. Good to see Bradman Best with his fresh ink looking good as well. We um, do you reckon? Do you reckon the reason he was running so hard and breaking so many tackles? He was like, if anybody like it's my arm, it's gonna hurt. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Like this is so fresh, it's still scarring up. If anyone tackles me, it is gonna fucking cane. Yeah. So I just gotta, I just gotta bust these tackles. If people miss this, Bradman Best got a brand new like full arm tattoo this week in the bye week, which is just yep. classic Bradman Best. Yeah. Um, for the Toons, I thought that they'd turned a corner. They hadn't. They're the same, which I love. I love. Like I love them. I love them you the way they are. I you just, figured I thought, these messy bitches out. No, 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 no. I just thought that they'd sort of taken a step forward, and they weren't going to be as messy as they were in the past. But they are, and that's fine because I love that. Like, even though they played pretty poorly in this one, they still scored some sick tries, as is their want. We mentioned Phil the Power, Sammy, Dave for feet up, fantastic, playing like arguably career best footy, and I think in the last couple of weeks he's really managed to mix big explosive plays with solid grafting football. He's doing everything that all the pundits always wanted him to do to justify that salary. And now no one seems to give a shit, but mm. he's playing really great footy and having the juice to go the length after you've played 70 odd minutes and stayed in the game the whole time. That's really, really impressive. So Titans are the same as ever. God bless you. Shine on you crazy diamonds. They are crazy diamonds. Um, and the Sharks grabbing a very, very rare win. At Brookvale Oval, but Nick, uh, our our new segment, Front Row Friday, we've had our first scorer. Well, yeah. So if people just listen to the show and don't follow us on various social media, we've actually started doing things. outlets. One, what are you doing? Two, do you want to explain what Front Row Friday? Yeah, is? Yeah, every Friday, me and Camber pick a pick a front row to score. The winners, the loser buys the winner a case at the end of the season. We're keeping score, and it's one nil. It's one nil, Bungard, because Royce Hunt got over early. Big Royce, yeah. How good. Well, it wasn't as good for me. No, um, it's I good must for the, say. it's good for the game. Good for the. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's when Bungard's well, doing well, Front Row Friday's doing Friday's well. That's doing the well. old. That's the old saying. Well, you were two for two for predictions on this one because I think you said on the preview show that there's a chance that with 20 minutes to go, you'll just be sitting around watching this game, thinking, "What am I doing with my yeah. life?" And it kind of was like that. It was very subdued, very flat. Like you, the, the the sharks, the sharks found a couple. Do you want of, a wild stat, by the way? Yeah, of course. First time Cronulla have ever beaten Manly three times in a row. Wow, what a what a day ever. what a day for you and the rest of the Cronulla Sharks. Up the boys, but up, ever, up. <laughs> ever, man. Well, we talked about how bad the record was. Yeah, like what was it? I guess it was... it's hard to win three in a row when one of those three would inevitably be at Brookvale, and you are six and forty-eight lifetime at Brookvale. <laughs> but now seven and forty-nine. So there you go. Um, yeah, the Sharks found a couple of nice attacking touches. I thought Sione Katoa was was really really good, but for the most part, it kind of felt like they were sleepwalking through this one a little bit. They just kind of got it done. Um, well, they, they just kind of just did enough to stay in front. They, Manly were really, really listless, I thought. Daly Cherry Evans was was trying very hard, but there wasn't a lot of people that were going with him. Um, and while Cronulla did enough, they were kind of like the Raiders in that respect, where they had the other team on on toast, but kind of just didn't, didn't kill them off the way they needed to. And then Lachlan Croker gets that late try, which I didn't think was a try. I thought Will Kennedy held him up. And then all of a sudden, that puts Manly in with a chance. But it never really felt like they were going to threaten the Sharks at all. You know, this felt like quite a perfunctory win for the Sharks, which I kind of guess they just needed after after what the Dolphins did to them at Magic Round. I think they just needed something a little bit steady. But I was surprised that they didn't go on with it and put a score on because normally Cronulla are so good at that. Mm. Yeah, but looking at the guys they had out, I, I think any of their fans would have been 
very pessimistic going, but with both the team and the record at the stadium, very pessimistic about this one. So I think to go in without without Toby and Hamlin, ULA and Talakai and still get the win, I think is is, is just, I mean, by any means necessary, I'll, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll absolutely. absolutely take it. Yeah. And Manly, I mean, after that hot start where they won their first couple of games. Yeah, they're in a dark place, man. They are not very good. And no. you know what? This is, again, I mean, we're about to talk about it, but I mean, people are acting like Tom Tavoyevich should be in the origin team as a foregone conclusion. And I'm not sure I agree. I don't, I don't agree either. Um, so will he get picked? Probably. Would I pick him? Oh, I don't think so. Freddie, Freddie, well, we can't predict what Freddie's going to do. Freddie loves the Tavoyeviches like he's there. Yeah, he children. does, but he dropped Jake, didn't he? That's when true. Jake was playing bad last year, Freddie dropped him. You know? Um, yeah, I, I like like we said, we're going to name our origin teams a bit later in the show. And I actually worked out what my one was going to be on Sunday morning, just before the footy mm. started. And I had Tavoyevic in my side because I'm a big believer in guys who have earned... The, when guys have earned the right to get the benefit of the doubt... I'm going to give it to him. And to me, Trebojevic has earned that right for New South Wales. But by the end of this game, he was out. He was out. I, I, I wouldn't pick him. I don't think you can. I I think he's pl- like he's playing in a team that's not playing well, right? But for the first time, I think he's playing, he's playing like he doesn't have full confidence in his body. He's playing like he doesn't feel like he can throw himself around the way he has. Um, he still had a couple of nice touches in this one. It was a really good tip on for the, for the Ruben Garrick try that he was a part of. But... He just seems so far away, not just from 2021, because that's never going to happen again. No. But just, just so far away from, from the good footy that we've seen him play in the past, you know? And if you, and it maybe that shouldn't be a surprise, because if you look at his last four seasons, you know, 2019, he didn't finish the season. 2020, he had, the first, he had a lot of hamstring injuries. 2021 happens. That's the only full season he's played. And then last year, he had the busted up shoulder. So it's not just the hamstrings either. He's had a lot of ailments, a lot of very serious ones that have kept him off the field for a really, really long time. And it, it could take him it a, it up, could take him a year. It could or take him never. another preseason to discover that confidence in his own body if he, if he ever does get it again, you know. And given, given what Origin's like and given how, you know, you have to be able to run the ball and you have to be able to be damaging to to survive in that environment. I just don't know if you can, if you can turn to him right now as good as he's been in the past. And that's big picture, small picture for Manly. If he's going to be like this, then all of a sudden Manly, you've got to radically, radically alter what you think's possible for them this year. You know, they, the Sharks are not known as a, as a rough and tough brawling team, but like they kind of, they kind of took Manly's lunch in this one. Even guys like Haimole Olokowatu, who have been so good this year, amid Manly's many peaks and troughs, he's still been really solid. He's been really level for them. And he just missed Royce Hunt playing up one-on-one. It's like, yeah, so I think I think Manly are in, are in, are in very, very serious trouble. And, and they're a bit like the Roosters in where I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, because again, it's like they're waiting for troops. Yeah, well, like they admit, like Aloye went off in this one and he's an important player for them, but... Now they travel to a, a balmy nation's capital yeah. on Sunday afternoon to play a red hot or a green hot Canberra well, Raiders. A, a Raiders team that I think is is stylistically a tough matchup and who have not, Canberra's again, so strong have in the middle in of the field in like, five years. So so it's yeah I don't know I think it's I think it's hard times for Manly I think the hard times have come. There are a couple of changes I'd like to see. I'd really like to see them put uh, Gordon Chan Kum Tong in there um, mm. at hooker. I know Lachlan Croak has been a big success story for them, but I think. Gordy three names is definitely the future of the position. For sure. So I'd really like to see what he's got. Um, but apart from that, I'm not sure who else you turn to. I'm not sure what else you turn to. So 
Bad times. Hard times for Manly. Hard times yep. for Manly. All right. Let's preview Thursday's game real quick. Um, it, again, it, it's Monday morning, so we don't have team lists, but the Broncos hosting the Panthers. You would imagine no Adam Reynolds. So Yes. That's gigantic. That's massive. That's enough to, for me to sway my tip. Absolutely. If he was playing, I'd go Brisbane because mm. um, they're at home. But with the form Penrith showed last week, um, I think I think I think they're the pick, especially if they play with that same sort of edge, that same sort of physicality, that same sort of ruthlessness and confidence yeah. in their attack. Then then I like him in this. I one. will say I think that even when Brisbane were bad stylistically, they matched up well against Penrith. That's true. They're, they're, they match up with Penrith probably better than any other team. They they, they can go toe to toe with them physically. They've got the, they're the, one of the only teams that have the forwards to do that. Even without Adam Reynolds, I think they can win that battle. But without his playmaking, without his ability to get clearing kicks in and steer them around the park, I just think it's 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 just a bridge too far for them. I think I, maybe I'll be wrong because there were patches last week where Ezra Mam and Reese Walsh just took over the game. But I don't know if either of those guys can be that dominant playmaker that they're going to need in a game like this that could become an arm wrestle. And if it's Jock Madden back in the team again, I'm not sure who else it could be besides him. But yeah, I mean he wasn't very good against Souths a couple of weeks ago either. So. Yeah, it's, it, it, I just think that just losing Reynolds is so gigantic for them. And that's, that's I, I'm with you. I think that's enough to swing me. Yeah, I, th- I think Brisbane's best bet is to sort of play this the way South play Penrith the other week, where you hang around, hang around, hang and around. chance your arm at the and end. And then chance your arm in the last 10. And, 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 and see, again, they've and got the players to do that. Out. Well, they do have the players to do that. So I do see a path to victory for Brisbane in this one. Mm. It just seems a little bit unlikely, especially with Penrith really warming to form the way they have, or the way that they did against the Roosters. Yeah, pretty wild. Um, oh, I forgot about the buy last when I said that if Penrith had beaten South, they'd be behind Brisbane. They would have been above them, and they'll be above them if they win this game, despite having one fewer win because of the buy. Buy points are stupid. They are stupid. Throw them out. I agree. Get them out. And he says, having despite that said, Canberra are one win off the top like nine hundred times since this show are started. We, I, I'm just—is is that not true? Yes. Because Would you of, want me to lie to the because punters? of buy points? Well, mate, I'm just telling That's it. That's like true. It you is. didn't invent the system. I You're didn't invent John the system. By the third. I'm just winning the system. That's true. You are um, with the, a negative differential, with a ne- <laughs> depression, aggression, success. Why not? You're just saying things. Um, yeah. All right. I, I, I'll take the Panthers in this one, but I think it'll be really close. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Rundrundra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Rundrundra. Okay, news time. We're going to pick our New South Wales team for origin number one. Yes. Uh, we're going to pick Queensland on Friday show. Yes. We'll do the Blues right now. So Nick, yes. I think we'll probably have a lot of similar guys, so maybe we go position by position each. And let's if we go, have, Yeah, let's go position by so position. I've um, gone with a little bit of an outsider for full Mind day. you, this is the teams that we would pick. Not, not what the we teams think is going to happen. We'll that would be picked. a different... We'll business. sort of talk our way through that as we go along. So but, I've gone um, with James Tedesco. You won't believe this. You've gone with James Tedesco. I've also gone with James wow. I am I am a little bit pissed off mm-hmm. I'm a little bit pissed off that there seems to be a school of thought out there that James Tedesco's finished or passed his best or is only getting into this team on reputation or is washed or any of that to me James Tedesco is the best New South Wales origin player of the last 10 years that's pretty inarguable I, I have him as one of the probably six best Blues players of all time. I'd have in, to in, sit down and think about some, it. But in, some particu- sounds... in some particular order, yep. right? It's Peter Sterling, Brett Kenny, Andrew Johns, Brad Fittler, Laurie Daly, and James Tedesco. 
I think I I, th- I think they're the six, and I and I don't I don't know who number seven would be. You know, I think Re- Tedesco has been the best player on every Blues team that's won a series under Brad Fittler. I think he's been sometimes the best player on the field or the best player in an Origin series where his team has lost. Mm. He is an all-time great for this state, and the things that he has done in the blue jersey, the the weight of his achievement is 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 pretty staggering. I, yep. The fact that people are, are seeing Dylan Edwards play some good footy for the Panthers and say he should be there over Teddy is insane to me. And show a bit of show a bit of respect. Show a bit of respect. This is an all-time great. And neither know? of us are putting Dylan Edwards on no our way. wings. No way. So all right. So I, I, my two through five. We've, I assume both got Brighton Toto and Latrell Mitchell in there, so yep. don't need to talk too much about either yep. of those guys. Both fantastic players. Yep. Latrell Mitchell, one of the best rep players in recent history. Brighton Toto's yardage carries and all his physicality yep. are invaluable at this level. I, I, I love them both on the left side yep. together because Toto does all the yardage. Toto does Trell's yardage work for him. Perfect. Great yep. combo. Um, so I've, I, I think we might have a bit of a couple of points of difference here. So I've put Matt Burton as the other centre yep. and Campbell Graham on the other wing. Yep. Do you want to talk through? Yeah, so look, I just, going back to what we said during the Manly game, I just don't think Tom Tavoyevich is in any, I don't think he's in the physical shape nor the form to justify being picked for this team right now. I understand there are some guys you want to pick on on past achievements and Tom Tavoyevich is an amazing player. I think when he's fully fit, he's in the top three most talented guys in the game along with James Tedesco and Latrell Mitchell. But with the way, I just haven't seen him get even close to full gear this year and I just don't think you can have a half-baked player as talented as he is in the Origin arena. And so, for that reason, Matt Burden played well in Origin before. I think I still think centre is his best position. He was fantastic in the centres for Penrith. And I think that if you're going to try and work out how to fit both him and Campbell Graham in the team, this is how you do it. So, sorry, Tommy. I hope when Tom's will fit, he's walking into this team. Of course he is. But Campbell Graham deserves to be in there. Even as a centre, he's shown his yardage work for Seas has been fantastic. He's great under the high ball. He's excellent defensively. He's physical. He can hit a hole. He can do just about everything. He's been probably the form outside back in the competition so far this year. So I like Matt Burton and Campbell Graham on on that. Uh, Matt Burton and Campbell Graham both in my backline. What I like about having Burton in the team is it just it gives you a little bit more variety. Yep. If you game. and I know we haven't got to the halves yet, but just having someone else that can sort of really put boot to ball is really, really good. And Trell can do that as well. Yeah. So all of a sudden it gives you a kicking thread on both edges as well, which I think is really nice. Um, I don't have Matt Burton in my team. I okay. think it was a tough cut for me because I thought he did a good job for the Blues last Declan year. Declan Campton is cancelling your Christmas present <laughs> as we speak. But no, I've got Campbell Graham at right centre and I've got Josh Adokar on the wing. Yeah, so Adokar is definitely playing this weekend. Mm. They're going to name him. He's going to be up for media on Wednesday. He's 100% playing. And if he is anywhere close to what his usual footy is, which I think he will be, then he's in my team. He he was not in my team for the fact that he just hasn't played enough footy lately, and we don't know if he's going to be fully fit. Well, one 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 solid game is enough for me. I love Josh. If Adekar. he looks, if, if he, he played looks, the whole season, he's he looks in my anything team for sure. like he usually does. He's in my side. I thought not the Blues not picking him last year was um, probably one of the big mis- missteps that they made. I thought it was them thinking about what Queensland were going to do instead of what they were going to do. Um, I think Adokar found a way to be really, really effective. In He's found ways to be really effective in Canterbury teams that don't score many points, which is not something you can say about a lot of wingers, aside from like Brian Toto types who run for 200 metres a game. Yes. Adokar doesn't really do that, but he's he, find, he finds ways to impact the game with his speed in a way that few other wingers can, you mm. know? And I like the idea of him and Graham together. I think Graham is just going to be really, really solid on that right edge, hitting holes, breaking tackles, jumping up for kicks, really good yardage work. I like the two of them together. I like the idea 
of them two on that right edge with Nathan Cleary. So Cleary can go up for Graham, can go along the ground, or he can go along for Adokar. Car. I think it opens up his kicking game in all sorts of really interesting and exciting ways. Yep. So I understand he might be a little bit short of a run, but if he's good this weekend, and I think he's going to be, then he's in my team. So we, but I, I, I've picked Nico Hines at five eight. Have yeah, you, I, know, you? I know. No, I haven't. Okay, I so haven't. I've gone. I've gone Jerome Luai. Yeah, look, Luai definitely did just have his best game of the season, and yep. he's had. A, but I, to me, have never sort of been overly impressed with him at Origin level, and I don't think his form until this week really justifies selection in, in terms of club football. Whereas Nico Hines, on the other hand, is single handedly when he came back. I mean, the Sharks were really struggling in the first month of the season. Yep. He came back. He's been absolutely transformative. He he was fantastic last year. I think he deserves the opportunity. And I think that with the way the series went last year, uh, I know people preach about combinations, things like that, but I, I just don't think that they can run it back with, with Luai and Cleary again. I don't think they should. I think they need to try something different. And I think that Nico Hines is the next port of call. And if it doesn't work, you can always go back to Luai. He's got that club connection with Cleary. It's, it's a great fail-safe. But to me, Nico Hines' form over the last 18 months has been incredibly good and he deserves to be in this team okay so what i like what i would like about Hines being in the team and to me this is a bet this is a choice that new south wales shouldn't be able to lose if you pick nico Hines, or if you pick jerome Lloyd, or even if you pick cody walker that's that's a winning bet any anyway they're very different sorts of players they're all excellent players this is this is not a bet that they should be able to lose what i would really like about Hines being in the team is it just gives that kicking game a little bit more of a, a little bit more sophistication because i thought last year the blues did lose out through cleary being the only noted kicker on the team and the queensland were able to really really go after him hard and without that the Blues were kind of struggling in the kicking department so I, that is what i would really like if Hines got the pick got got selected I'm going with Luai for a couple of reasons. One, I understand that incumbency is a bit of a fluid concept. You say you weren't that impressed with Luai at origin level last year, but I think because the Blues lost the series, his performance, is, he's sort of copped the blame for that, and I'm not sure why. If you look at origin one last year, the Blues scored two tries. He had the assist for both of them, you know? In game three, they scored two more tries. He scored one of them, you know? And then in game in game two, they won by a 1,000 points, so it doesn't really matter, you know what I mean? But even if you take Origin out of it, right, if you just go for everything that's happened from Origin 3 to now, what's Luai done, right? He's played in the, in another premiership team. He was Samoa's lead playmaker, and they made the World Cup final. I know his start to this year wasn't great, but he's found form when it's mattered. And if you look at what Hines has done, right, Hines has played great footy. No shots at Nico Hines, really great player. In the two big games he played last year in the finals... Bounce, bounce, straight sets. And particularly that first one down at down at Shark Park, he should have closed that game out and he didn't. Mm. He doesn't cop any heat for that. That's fair. He should. He, it's, I'm not saying he should be crucified or anything like that. Guys lose games. No, but these are tough decisions. Guys lose to games made. and it's fine. But the margins are very thin on this one. And while those first few weeks when he came back for Cronulla were outstanding, I do think it's quite notable to me that they haven't, they haven't really beaten a lot of good sides this year. Mm. They haven't. I know he can carve up the Cowboys. I know he can carve up bad teams. I know he's fully capable of doing that. But I think when the when the rubber hits the road, I've ne- I've rarely seen him play well in really high stakes games. You know, and maybe that's because the Sharks haven't had that many. You know, but the the two finals games, the two finals games last year, the game against the Dolphins at Magic Round, I think there's just I don't think his case is as airtight as people make it sound. No, I agree with that. Which again is no shots at Nico Hines. He's, no, no. A, he's a really good player. I would not have a problem if he got picked. I would there's, be fine with all it. All three of those guys could be picked, and you could make ju- Cody being the third. Yeah, could all be picked. You could all justify picking any of them. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think you can make a wrong call. Oh well, so. well full disclosure, Hines is still in my team. Oh, okay, well, we'll get team. there. The other thing that that gets Luai over the top for me is because I think. 
I think what he brings to the team is is almost it's almost beyond sort of X's and O's footy. I mm. think the attitude, the intensity, the swagger that he plays with is something that's really really important for the Blues. And when the Blues have been successful when he's been in the team, that's been a really big part of it. And I think when you look at the rest of the team, there aren't that many guys that sort of have that edge. And I need some guys who have that edge. You know, he's got the com- the inbuilt combination with Cleary. He's got the combination with Mitchell from twenty twenty one. Combination with Toto from from Panthers days as well. It's very very fine. And honestly, until that game against the Roosters, I probably had Hines or even Cody Walker ahead of Luai. But him breaking out like that restored my confidence in him, and I would pick him for game That's one. Fair. Um, I've gone with Nathan Cleary. That's my halfback. Frankly, he sounds made, made up. up. Yeah. Uh, that we don't need to talk about Nathan Cleary. No. I mean, I don't I think we. I don't think we need to talk about. The two starting props nope. either. I think they're pretty uh, Junior Polo, Payne Haas. Easy. Easy work. Um, I've got both of them in my team, but I've got Damian Cook starting. Yeah. Um, I think that they both should be in the team. I think that Coruscant... I mean, that Penrith won a comp with Coruscant coming off the bench after 25 minutes and, yep. and sort of wreaking havoc on when the game slowed down a little bit. And I think that's a formula for success. I think Cook's slightly better defensively, which is helpful in those opening exchanges. And then you get Appy on to tidy things up at the end of the half and, and sort of create some stuff around the ruck. I think both those guys need to be in the team and I've got Cook starting, Coruscant on the bench. I'm not sure what you've done. This was hard. I've dropped Damian Cook. You're I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. He's one of my, fa- my favourite non-raiders in the entire competition. Um, but I wanted to have... I, I didn't want to just... I didn't want my 14 to be a specialist dummy half, Right. Queensland are able to do the Ben Hunt, Harry Grant thing because Ben Hunt can play a lot of different positions. He can go out there and play lock, for example, when Grant comes on and still gives you so many good things. You can't really do that with Coruscant or Cook. They're both hookers or they're nothing, right? And the reason I went with Coruscant over Cook, again, very fine margins. Cook's a great player. The reason I went with Dame, with Coruscant at, at hooker over Cook is because I hate you and I hate South Sydney. Yep. And I want to see you of be course. upset. <laughs> no, the real reason is, the real reason is, I think Coruscant, I think Coruscant has been slightly better than Cook this year. And given the disparity of talent um, around the two players, I think that's not nothing, you know? Cook's on a, a far, far superior team. Coruscant doesn't have as much going at West, but I do think Coruscant has been, been more effective. I wanted to have a 14 on the team who could come on and play a few different positions, but I could put him out there with confidence that things are going to happen. You know what I mean? So that's why I picked Hines as my 14. I think I think, okay. I think he's big enough to sort of handle the middle of the field for 10 or 15 minutes, and mm. he gives you an extra sort of player to kind of link up the attack. He's a really strong running threat. All those things that you said about Hines earlier, I agree with all those things. That's why he's in my team. Um, and... While Damian Cook plays 80 minutes at Club 11, Coruscant's playing about 60, I actually think that opens an easy window to get Hines onto the field because I think sometimes with these with these 14s in origin, I think coaches go in without a plan of how to use them. Mm. There seems to be a really easy fit. There. There's a really easy way to just pull Coruscant off. Maybe you slot Murray in at hook or something like that, but it's an easy way to get Hines on the field. Rest up Coruscant for 10 minutes. Then he, then he comes back on, does all those things that he does around the ruck just seems to me that that's a more dangerous fit and that goes closer to maximising the best of both players than a Cook-Coruscant combo does. Yeah. You know? Again, no shots at Cook. No, no, no. This I, was, think... Like, I think that was my toughest cut because I've I've never thought Cook's played badly for the Blues and I know he's been such a big part of it. He was vice-captain last year. He's a really big part of this squad. Um, but yeah, I just think Coruscant-Hines is a, is a combination that gets slightly more out of both players. Yep. Who have you got in your back row? 
I've gone Hamole Olokowatu. I know that miss on Royce Hunt was really bad, but I think other than that, he's been a really consistent player in a pretty bad Manly team. Mm-hmm. I love the destructive power that he plays with. Um, and I, I think he can give him a bit of strike. And I think he has a bit of that edge that I was talking about with Jerome Luai, which I think is really important. He's on my right edge. Cam Murray on the left edge. I have the same two guys. What else? Like, what do you say? Cam Murray. Got to be in the team. He's pretty good. I actually, I really want to work out a way to use Cam Murray in the middle of the field. Yeah. But I just don't, given that Haas and Paulo and our lock forward is Isaiah Yo, I'm guessing for both of Of course. Us. Those are all big minute guys, yeah. and so is Cam Murray. So I just don't know if there's a way that you can use all four of those blokes, all four of those blokes in the middle for an extended mm. period. And when you just look at it, I think Yo's just slightly better than Murray, and then you need size. So Haas and Paul are perfect for that. So I don't know if there's a way to use Murray as a middle, unless you want to spell Yo, which I don't really want to do. So he's on the edge. He'll do a fine job. He did a fine job for the Kangaroos in the World Cup last year. He did a fine job on the edge for New South Wales last year. Get him on that left edge with Luai and Trell and To'o. It's a lot of speed, a lot of incision, a lot of good stuff. That's dangerous shit. Yep. Easy work. I, I completely agree. So my 14's Coruscant, yours is Hines. Yep. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're numbered, but my my I assume you've got, besides Hines, three forwards on your bench. I do. So my three are Totola, Daniel Saifidi, and Hudson Young. Okay. So, again, we're, we're two for three here. I've got Daniel Saifidi. I've got Hudson Young. Let's run through those really quick. Do you want yep. to run through Saifidi? Well, I mean... We're a bit look, short on props. We are short on props, and I think he's a guy that can create... Uh, he's got... Uh, you, you mentioned the, the minutes Haas and Paulo play. You need someone to just come in and play 25 minutes and get in with a lot of energy, with a lot of physicality. He fits that bill. He's done that for the Knights. He does that. He has done that for the Blues in the past. And then, yeah, your man Hudson Young. I mean, I think he's just been playing so well at the moment. And yep. he's just a football player. And you've got to find a way to... You got to, I don't know, because he can he can play pretty much anywhere in the forwards. He could even play hooker for 10 minutes if you needed him to. Oh, <laughs> and I'd you, love that. Can you imagine? One-eyed Hudson just <laughs> flinging the ball around from dummy half. But like he's just, I think his form just demands it at the moment. And with Liam Knight still injured, you need yeah. a guy that can play on the edge. And Liam Knight. Um, <laughs> Liam Martin. With Liam Martin still sort of working his way back. I think Hudson Young's the logical guy to come in. Yeah, well, I, I think what I like to do, if, I, if I'm picking a rep team, right, you have your 14 who can cover a few different positions and a couple in the backs. You have two middles, and then I would want a guy who can play edge and middle, right? And Hudson Young can do both those things. He's mainly an edge for Canberra, but he sort of, he kind of really rose to prominence playing as a middle for them in the 2020 final series, some of the best footy he's ever played. He can play in the middle of the field without much worry. Um but I also think he's the kind of guy that you could throw out there with 10 to go and say, Hudson, go win us this game. Go mm. do some weird shit and see if it works. He does that all the time for Canberra. You know, he's got big, like I talked about earlier with the Raiders in big plays, he's got big plays in him. And I don't want guys off the bench that are just going to be solid. I don't want guys off the bench who are just going to make 80 metres and make 20 tackles. I want guys that will go out there and, and be a point of difference. I want guys that will go out there and, and make an impact. And I think Hudson Young is perfect for that, you know. Mm. So who's your last forward? So I I really like Junior Toller as a player. This is not a shot at him at all. But mm. what I was talking about just before with impact off the yeah. bench, I'm just not sure if his game is best suited to that. I would actually prefer having him in the team as a starter, which you can't do because you have Haas and Paulo. But he's a really he's a he's a real grinder. Like he's someone who gets through a heap of work, does it all really, really well. Rarely like makes a break or something like that, but always seems to bend bend the line, you know? Um, again, this is a guy he didn't play last week because he had a pretty crook injury. I think he's going to get named this week. If he's fit, I'm picking Spencer Lenu. Yeah, well, he was in. He would be in my team ahead yeah. of Totola, but I didn't pick him because I thought he was already out because of the injury. 
So yeah, I yeah. I think I well, we're recording this on Monday, so they haven't named the teams. I think they're going to try and get him in there. He would absolutely be in my team ahead of Totola if if yeah. he was in the frame. So yeah. I agree with that. If he is the perfect candidate for a fifteen minute wrecking ball, he's uh, who, there's few there's few players better at it. I mean, know? he is just such a good ball runner. Yep. He's so devastating. Every run powerful. Every run something can happen. Yep. He's fast. He's aggressive. He's just so damn good. And I am really excited to see what he's going to do when he's the main bell cow mm. of a forward pack next year, which, what, by the way, we didn't talk about that during the, the recap for that game, but not a great week for a guy who's A, dick exploded, and B, had to watch that game thinking, I'm leaving this team that scored 48 to go to this team that scored four, who I called the benchmark of rugby league when I signed with them. It's it's not what you want. It's not. It's not what you want. But yeah, he he's he's awesome. Yeah, but I I love the idea of him and Young coming off the bench at the same time because Young's also got that edge that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, so like, Totola was just he's me always scrambling. he's always he's always in the mix. Totola was me scrambling up, for like, another prop to be in the team because there was yeah. no new. And I thought, you know what, he deserves it. And I haven't gronked out and picked a South player who doesn't deserve it yet. So, <laughs> well, this was this was a far less gronked out exercise than I thought we were going to get. Did you I thought, think I was going to have Cody Walker and Alex Johnson? I thought team. you were going to pick like Totola to start. I thought you no, were no. going to go Walker Cleary. With Hines hey, on the bench, we're, maybe we're I thought now. you were going to start Cook and, and punt Corusau. I no, thought you might have. I thought you might have fucked around and picked Keon just just because. Well, like, I mean, in all seriousness, he would probably be in the frame if he was fit. Yeah, of and had been would. playing all year. I, he'd probably yeah. get my bench spot ahead of Hudson Young, or maybe he'd start with Olakowatu on the bench. I don't know. Maybe, but he's not healthy, and maybe he will be when we do Origin two. And by that point, if the Blues have won a game, they're not going to change anything anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah, those are our origin teams. Uh, we'll put them up on on the socials. You can comment. Tell yeah, us who in you terms of in terms of in terms of the difference between those teams and the teams, I think they'll pick. It's just oh, hard, yeah, it's so sorry. hard to know because there's three guys who have played a really big part for have been a really big part of Freddie's Blues teams, and that's Angus Crichton, Tom Trebojevic, and Liam Martin. Crichton and Martin um, are only just sort of returning to play. Trebojevic is badly out of form, and it's just so hard to know what. Freddie's going to do with those three guys. Um, they've played such a big part. They've played such a big part in what he's built the Blues into over the last couple of years, and letting go of those guys, it's 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 never an exact science, you know. So I don't know what Freddie's going to do, but what he does with those three guys will sort of mm. determine the differences between the teams we pick and what the team will actually right, look like. We'll pick our Queensland team on Friday. So we sure will. Go yeah. Dozer. Absolutely pandering little man. Grow up. Um, so a bit of other news before we get out of here. Craig Bellamy gonna go around again. Told you. You did say I so. I told you. Yeah. Does this? Does this every year? Yep. Um, so coach for as long as you want, Craig. It's so uh, that that I think that uh, opens the door up for the the Jason Rolls the Dragons rumors to really kick up another gear now. Yep. That I think job so. Is closed for another twelve months at least, if not more, because he could just do this same shit again next year. But I mean, not really much to analyze. Arguably the greatest coach of all time. I think by anyone's measure, couldn't be lower than like the third best coach of all time. And yeah, great, good for them. Yeah, I think Craig Bellamy is a good coach. Oh, that is and a if I was if, opinion. If, if Craig Bellamy coached my club, mm. I would want him to keep doing that. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's very fair of you. Um, did, I don't know if you saw this overnight, but Kevin Sinfield carrying Rob Burrow over the line at oh, the Leeds man. Marathon, fucking fantastic. Give Kevin Sinfield a knighthood. Give him the keys. Why isn't to he the, the king? Why isn't he the king? Like, honestly, what a fucking guy. If people have missed this story somehow. So Rob Burrow, former halfback in the Super League, long-time England player, uh, suffering, suffers from motor neurone disease now. It's been great. It's an awful, awful disease. Just been, it just, you know, people have seen the videos. Of, of, it's just woeful. And he pushed, uh, Kevin Sinfield, his former teammate, pushed him the full marathon 
in, in a wheelchair and then picked him up out of the chair at the finish line and carried him over the finish line. Yeah. It was so Sinfield, Sinfield's been doing a lot of charity He's work. He's the guy who people missed this, did seven years, marathons yeah. in seven days, I think, yep. sometime last year to raise raise money for MND. To raise money and awareness. Um, I was there at the World Cup final last year. When, when he finished it in the He stadium. finished his yeah. last marathon at halftime um, and ran out to the middle of the field where he, I think Rob Burrow was there with his wife and his kids and it was um it was a really really touching moment or something i'll remember for a very very long time yeah and I'm, i've mentioned my running group on here the two zones a few of them are patrons a lot of them are fans of the show one of them sam lives in england did the did the rob Burrow marathon oh good on you sam. Well, so good on him but yeah um yeah just awful isn't it really awful um any other news before we get out of here um i think that's it I think that's about it, man. I think it's origin origin fever is 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 building up. I'm a non symptomatic carrier. No, you're a non symptomatic carrier. That is I'm, true. I'm I'm displaying all the symptoms. I'm ready to go, baby. Yeah, let's I, do it. Um, I love Origin. I just don't care who wins. I think I've been very consistent. New listeners of the show are gonna have a conniption when they hear that because it's it's. I did say that so, is that is you have retconned there because I have heard you say in the past I don't give a shit about Origin. No, I don't. I don't care who wins. <laughs> no. I love watching it. Okay. Hang on. You think I like watching State of Origin? You, you do you, man. Don't try and gaslight me. I'm not trying to gaslight you. I don't even know what gaslighting is. No one does. It's no the hip drop it. of it's, it's the hip drop it's of the like hip drop buzzwords of on the internet. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I've always enjoyed the spectacle. I just don't really have an investment in who wins or what happens, bar like the players on my team not getting hurt. And last year, Cam Murray got bonked in the noggin after like four seconds, and so I didn't like that. Tough times, brother. Yeah, it was. All right, before we get out of here, quick shout out to people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com forward slash rookies. You get a third show every single week. You get access to our Discord server, merchandise discounts, and plenty more. So, a thank you to Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Where's Wayno? Uh, what is it? 360 Bale Bunsman. Is that a new one? I don't know. But uh, thank you. Uh, we've got uh, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsborough Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kick South out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Matty Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my name is Bat Bungard and I love Taylor Swift, my ding ding dong is hard and I am sad, never trendy, Pat McManus, Ray Stone Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, who I met for the first time uh, before the South game, shout out TB and his old man, The Black Vegetable, The Combat Vehicle, Thor, Tom Hardy, was and Westlife's podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Two breaking bits of news. Oh, okay. Really quick. Yeah. Really quick. Yeah. Sorry to take the shine off our beloved patrons, but um, two sad bits of news. Oh. Number one, are you sitting down? Yes. You can, you're can. you looking at me. We're yep. sitting on the same couch. Okay. Valence Tavare is probably going to be dropped. Oh, that Brinko is Brinko Lee spent the entire session today training at right center. Oh, well, I hate this. One while it lasted. You're going to hate this next news even more, though. Oh, okay. Doyle Brunson just died. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Oh, that is sad. Yeah, you oh. were telling about Doyle Brunson. Why would you tell me that on the show? So, Texas Dolly, Doyle Brunson, the greatest poker player of all time. Um, If people are new listeners or maybe... I don't talk about poker that much on the show, but poker's been a gigantic part of my life. It's, I mean, it, there was a time period where it was making me like a genuine secondary income. Like yeah. I was obsessed you with about, the game. You thought about... Like I, there was there were there were brief periods where I played poker as my only source of income as well, like in between jobs. Um, 
uh, it's been a game I've been addicted to since I was 18, 19. Don't play anywhere. But in a good way. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Don't play anywhere near as much as I I, I used to now with, with, you know, with life and and other things getting in the way. But poker has been a gigantic, I've made friends, friends through poker. I've made money through poker. It's been an incredibly important part of my life. And, and, and a large part of that is the characters and Doyle Brunson. I mean, you talk about characters he is larger than the sport. This is a guy, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and read all the stories about him, but this is a guy who won the World Series of Poker multiple times. This is a guy who is just, he transcends the sport. He's like the one guy that even people who don't necessarily know that much about poker have heard of. Uh, if you've seen the movie Rounders, he's mentioned in that. Um, great movie, you should watch it anyway, but an icon of the game. This is like this is like Clive Churchill dying. Yeah. Yeah, shit. Mm. That sucks. R.I.P. Doyle the Goat. Um yeah, terrible, terrible stuff. And and Phil, honestly, go and read some stories about him and his and his gambling. He was also a mad basketball player, by the way. Yeah. So there's um, if you want to learn a little bit more about Doyle Brunson, I'm not a poker guy. I don't actually understand. But you love rounders. How the game works, but I love rounders and I love like just you know larger than life characters. There's a great story by Doyle Brunson. It was in Texas Monthly about a year, about a year ago. Mm. Just Google Doyle Brunson Texas Monthly. Give it a read. One of the one of the one of the great characters in a in a in a pastime filled with them. So <sighs> that sucks, man. Oh, R.I.P. A life well lived, though. A li- oh, bro, did a lot. Well, he's ninety years old. Like, he was still playing on cash game streams this year. Bro, he's probably in the middle of a hand when he carked. That's it. probably true. Yeah. All right. Well, Die rocking. R.I.P. Doyle, and we'll see you all for question time if you're a patron. If not, we'll see you on Friday. Say goodbye, Nick. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from me.